Welcome to Perfect Dismay with Mariah and Kay. I'm Mariah. And I'm Kay. And this week we are covering an issue that has been very prevalent since the start of COVID-19 and really forever, just now making a comeback, but... Yeah, this week's episode is going to be a two-parter. The next part will be later down the road, but this one is about Stop Asian Hate. And this is Kayla's baby this week. Obviously, we've seen it a lot in the media, especially recently. There have been Asian American attacks because of ridiculous reasons that don't make sense. Because of idiots. Yes. So, just a forewarning, this episode might be a little longer. I will try to keep it as concise as possible, but we're going to go into some background on a lot of things. And then also, I'm going to be quoting a few different idiots, really. (laughs) So, this is a warning that it might really piss you off. Yeah, this is our upfront trigger warning. So, if you think you're going to be upset or too angry to hear this, you might want to wait until next week's episode. Yes. Next week's episode is going to be on secret societies with Travis. Oh, yes. Just Travis and Kayla because I have a lot of shit to deal with and a lot of homework to get done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go right into it. So we're going to cover the Denver, Colorado anti-Chinese riot of 1880. Whoop, whoop, Denver. You idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because Denver is considered very progressive in Colorado. Well, I think it is very progressive now, but... Yeah, they weren't so back then. (laughs) So, background. About approximately around 1870, Chinatown was created for Chinese immigrants to seclude themselves from Anglo-American culture because they were viewed with contempt. Hmm. Sound familiar? Hmm. They endured decades of racially motivated violence and abuse. Jeez. But let's talk about Denver's Chinatown actually played an integral part of the city's economy and culture. So you guys need to remember that. Isn't that like, it's just like every minority neighborhood. Once they start thriving, man, they just do horrible things. We're assholes. (laughs) Yeah. So the Chinese migrated to the U.S. for economic opportunity but also because there was a civil war in china that they wanted to escape so these are a couple different reasons why chinese immigrants came to the u.s okay and then most married men left their wives and children in china until (gasps) they could establish themselves in the u.s yes very sad that in mind for later down the road it is sad but i mean it's responsible because they're trying to you know, yeah. have better lives, and they're coming here trying to establish themselves, and then they're going to bring their families over, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah, we're seeing that with another specific race and group of people that are also being demonized in the media. Wow, it's almost like history just constantly repeats itself. And that is why we are educating our small <laughs> community. Our small mass. Okay, so in Denver, there's technically only one Chinatown. But because of everyone's idealized and exaggerated just ideas of what Chinatown was, there's two that we're going to talk about. Okay. So the actual Chinatown was a source of safety and moral support for Chinese immigrants, and it allowed them to maintain their culture and identity. Because who wants to move to a new location and drop everything that they know? Yeah. So Chinatown also modified their social structure to help fit Colorado society and economy. Oh my gosh. So they were just changing themselves to fit in with, well, by keeping some of their identity. Exactly, exactly. So that's another important thing to note. All right, so the second Chinatown, and unfortunately the one that is probably the most remembered in Denver is the exaggerated and stereotyped and idealized version in the Denver citizens' minds. And it's referred to as Hop Alley. H-O-P Alley. That does not sound very kind. It's a derogatory term. It's not not nice. So Hop referred to opium that ended up becoming synonymous with the Chinese. Uh. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Isn't Afghanistan the most... Opium-producing country in the world? I don't know. I know they have their own 
like I think it's hashish or something but either way you've heard probably in person or in the media at some point in your life people like to say derogatory terms towards them because of you know their drugs or I mean I guess it's a drug their plants yeah yeah well let's talk about meth yeah (laughs) what are we here in the United States all right, and then Allie referred to the locations of the building's entrances because, and I don't know how true this is, um, it, the article stated that the entrances were usually situated near the back for greater security, which could be true because they're enduring all these hardships. So I don't want my door to be up front, you know? Yeah, which is very sad that you would have to put your door in the back because yeah. you're scared. I don't know how true that is. I mean, it, it was Denver, yeah. so it wasn't really, I mean, I guess technically you could call it an alley, because there are some pictures and some of these articles that I looked at and the sources that I'll give you, you can see it's actually quite a wide alley. It looks actually really yeah. cool to me, but but it's a huge, like it's almost like a street, it's just no cars go mm-hmm. through it. But it's it's large, it's not like this small little... Yeah, not what we what you would think of as yeah now we probably imagine when you say the word alley yeah so yeah hop alley is a derogatory term used to describe a stereotyped vice-ridden chinatown vice-ridden what oh yeah we went far out with the stereotypes on this one we are seven minutes in and i'm raging (laughs) oh yeah and this is just like your over gosh okay so for anybody who wants to know, the physical location of Chinatown, Denver's Chinatown, is established 1870 on Wazy Street between 15th and 17th Streets next to an old red light district. So that could be where some of like the stereotype vice-ridden Chinatown came from, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Chinese community resided in the five lower areas of downtown and eventually spread to near where the current Coors Field is located. I'm gonna, I'm looking it up to see exactly where Denver, oh wow, there's a bar named Hop Alley. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> oh, okay, well, like, hops for, oh yeah, that's true. More sense, but but it's it, just, yeah. Hmm. Where is it? It's in Denver. What street is it on? Um, let me see, show list. It is on, well, it says Chinese restaurant. It's on Larimer. Okay, I don't know where that is. Yeah, me neither. I'm not very familiar with Denver-specific streets. Yeah. Okay, so so everyone knows Denver's Chinatown is no longer a thing. Yeah. Like, they just don't have a Chinatown anymore, and it's because of this, eventually we'll get into it, the riot, and we've just, like, destroyed, you know, everything that they've set up. The only thing that is still remaining to even suggest that there was a Chinatown in Denver is a plaque on the side of a building. And, come to find out later in my research, the plaque is very... It's incorrect in some things that it states. It still has the derogatory term Hop Alley instead of, you know, a regular politically correct name. And then they also, on the plaque... Instead of talking about this is where Chinatown was and this is what happened to it and, like, giving them the respect they deserve, they kind of more highlight the, quote, heroes of the riot, which we're not going to talk about anymore after this. So basically what they tried to do is put this plaque up, still use the derogatory term, and then highlight, quote, white heroes. Oh, wow. Come on, Denver. Do better. There is a movement, and there is, like, a whole organization and a bunch of professors and just a bunch of people are trying to reimagine Denver's Chinatown and put up, like, museums and, like, you know, in an alley you can go to, like, different parts of where, like, certain things would be in this Chinatown and billboards and street art made solely by Asian Americans. Yeah. So... They're trying to do that now. I don't know the status of it. Hopefully. Hopefully it gets put in. Because if they get all this stuff done, I'm definitely going no matter yeah. if I'm there or not. Which hopefully you move here soon. I mean, I know we're the Springs, yeah. but it's only an hour south of Denver, so. Yeah. I'll drive up there. 
Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go into anti-Chinese sentiment and then also go into some of the rumors that the Denver citizens just threw out there. Okay. Okay, so Chinese immigrants were considered, quote, strangers in the land who were incapable of assimilating into American society, end quote. I hate it. So, if anybody wants to know, the definition of assimilate is to either, one, take in info, ideas, culture, and understand fully, or two, cause something to resemble or liken. Understand fully. Yeah. And they were trying to, but we, white people. Well, yeah, the Chinese were. Fucking Denver citizens weren't. They didn't understand at all. White people are the worst. And I could say that because I'm a white person. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So the idealized Chinatown in in the Denver citizens' minds was rumored for there to be tunnels and trapdoors that connected the buildings within the town. (laughs) Which, the Chinese didn't move here and just recreate your fucking, like, alleyways and side streets, but they didn't, like, dig Yeah, they weren't digging through the rock underneath the city. Come on. Yeah, and if there were tunnels, they were already there. And if they decided to use them, it's because you're all dicks. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point, Kayla. <laughs> when I was reading this, I was like, "What? The, where, where do we come <laughs> up with this? It's because we don't look at other people as actual people, and that's a fucking problem. Yeah, we genuinely do not. Okay, so the white population of Denver looked at Chinatown suspiciously, but they were also fascinated with it at the same time because we can't fucking make (laughs) up our minds. And this was largely in part because of there were sensationalized and irresponsible, irresponsible articles that were published in the media about the Chinese community. I mean, we see that all around, though. The media just takes whatever and runs with it and they just want viewers they don't care if it's accurate and that's exactly what happened here oh yeah the fear-mongering so in 1909 there was an article by s.a myers that was published in the denver times and it describes chinatown as quote a dark narrow alley a series of dingy entrances cubby holes underground passages dismal all-smelling places end quote wow Excuse me, Sir Myers. Get some better fucking adjectives. He makes me mad. I couldn't find a picture of him because I was just going to post it all over Instagram and go, do not talk to this guy. (laughs) I bet he's ugly. Probably. The Chinese community were also branded, quote, heathen Chinese, Uh, end quote, who were assumed to engage in idolatrous behavior, which is worshiping idols, which is the most Christian judgmental thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Because why do why does the Chinese community have to, you know, idolize your yeah. thought? Why? That's likely not even real. But, you know, that's another podcast topic for another time. That's another cult episode. <laughs> so because they were not Christians, many believed that the Chinese community was engaged in behavior such as gambling, illicit sex, and opium smoking. Oh, my God. There's, like, no way to respond. They were also thought of as thugs who protected a secret Chinese society of criminals known as Tongs, and they were rumored to engage in rift wars. Just, just completely inaccurate, wrong. Mm -hmm. And before I get into this Tong information, I just want to let everybody know that I'm not very good at pronouncing Chinese. There's also no inflection points, so I don't know how it's supposed to go. But also, I'm not good at inflecting. (laughs) So, bear with me. I will do my best. We're trying here. So, Tong means a hall or a gathering place. And it's an organization of Chinese immigrants, mostly found in the United States, but also found in small communities in Australia, Canada, and the UK. Mm -hmm. So, Wikipedia says that Tongs have ties to organized crime. But I'm not sure if that's just, like, a stereotype that was written as 100% fact because it's Wikipedia and anyone can really update that. Yeah. But it could stem from, there's reporting that Tongs follow a certain pattern. And this pattern was set by a secret society called, it's not really all that secret, a society called 
the Tiendi Hui. Mm-hmm. And then other Chinese, quote, secret societies that follow that pattern are the Hui, Hongmen, and Triads. So it could come from a stigma from the triads. I've never heard of the other two. So. Yeah. I mean, of course it's possible, but... Or you're just being complete assholes and not just accepting humans for being humans. Yeah, I'm going with that because assholes. Because assholes. So Tongs provide services for Chinatown communities, such as immigrant counseling, English classes for adults, and Chinese schools. Okay, so it doesn't sound like they were all that bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds like they're trying to help them assimilate. Mm. Look at that, full circle. So Tongs first appeared in 1644 when the Qing Dynasty overthrew the Ming Dynasty. The first Tong was called Zigong Tong. Good job. Okay, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully I did that right. Um, and it was aimed to restore the power of the Ming Dynasty by removing the new rulers. It was also located in Guangdong, which was home to the first Chinese immigrants in the United States. So, the first Tong was created because their dynasty was overthrown. Yeah. And their whole goal was to overthrow the new dynasty. So, that could also be where, like, this idea that, you know, their criminals are, like, rift wars come from. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'm reaching there. I don't know. Anyway, so famous or well-known tongs are the Bing Kong Tong, which is in California and Washington. I think Washington State, but I'm not positive. It could be D.C. The Hip Sing Tong, which is in New York and 13 other states. Oh, wow. The On Long Tong, which is in New York. Sui Sing Tong, which is in California, Oregon, Washington, D.C., and British Columbia, Canada. And then, for this one, the Hop Sing Tong, which is in California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Colorado. Woo! Colorado! So that could be the tongue that they're talking about. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go back to the anti-Chinese sentiment and the rumors, now that everybody knows what a tongue is. Yeah. So even though Denver's Chinatown never had a Tong War, the local media advised tourists to apply at the police station for guides. What? Yep, there's that fear-mongering. Yeah, apply for guides? Oh my god. Here's our boy S.A. Myers again. He stated, quote, it is only at night that you can see the Mongol quarter of Denver awaken into exotic life. Its people come into being with the dark and disappear with the dawn. Its acrid odors sting the nostrils. Fiery, contemptuous, bland, serene, foul-smelling, your oriental maintains that undefine- undefinable barrier that has kept the east and west apart since centuries began. End quote. He is a monster. Yeah. So, okay, let's break that down. So he's pretty much saying that they don't do anything during the day, they only come out at night, and it's... it's uh, To be criminals. Yeah, basically. He also called them Mongols. Which is... Which... <laughs> wrong. Is a completely different ethnic group. Yep. So then when he moves on to his final statement, and he says, Your Oriental maintains that undefinable barrier that has kept the East and West apart since centuries began. This type of attitude is known as Oriental Discourse, and I have a really, really good source. It's a ResearchGate source, Ooh. and it basically tells you all about Oriental Discourse and what it means. It's basically a West is best mentality, and expecting other cultures to change to fit us, mm. which is fucking stupid. Is it the best, though? Is it? No. Quote. By placing itself at the center of the world with a Eurocentric point of view, the West exploits other countries and communities through inflicting cultural change and transformation on them, either from within via colonialist movements or from outside via, quote, Orientalist discourse in line with its imperialist objectives, end quote. Snaps all the way around. That's a really good quote. Yep. Okay, so now we're going to go into the Pax Mangolica. We're going to go... 
into a little bit of history. Okay. So because he decided to group the Chinese and the Mongolians into the same ethnic group, this is why we're doing this. Because we're educating our masses. <laughs> so Pax Mongolica is Latin for Mongol peace. And during their rule, it was, the long, it was a long-standing period of peace and stability in Eurasia during the 13th and 14th centuries. So this is like 5th to 8th grade level history, so most people will probably remember yeah. something about this. But just in case, we're just going to touch on it. So after the, death of, <laughs> after the death of Genghis Khan in 1227, the empire was extended from China's Pacific coast to Eastern Europe. And the Silk Road Network fell under the control of the Mongols, or the Mongolians, I don't know which one's politically yeah. correct to say, and allowed safe and easy travel along these roads. And it was once too dangerous to travel because of the warring kingdoms. So they brought stability, and they brought mm-hmm. peace, and they helped with travel. Yeah, it sounds like they helped both economies, too, at the Silk Road. Absolutely, because then trade opened between Europe and Asia. The Mongol Empire also established a postal relay system for better communication. So all around, they're just making this place way better. They're out there fucking doing it. Yeah. They also, and this is the big, big snaps for them, they allowed freedom of religion throughout their rule and helped enhance culture due to their tolerance of all religions. Aww. So you would see Muslims, Christians, and Mongols working alongside each other and continuing to practice their own traditional religions. Hmm. Good for them. So this is a part of history that needs to come back. I, I did not know that aspect of it. I didn't either. Of course I didn't, though, because I was taught in a very white, very rural town, so. Me too. So the downside of the open travel, it allowed for the bubonic plague to more easily make its way into Europe. Yeah. But also they had inner turmoil, and it also helped with the downfall. Hmm. So let's just touch on that. They did so much to actually help and improve lives and culture, society, trade, you know, their economic conditions. They did so much good. But then, like, the one downside is that, yeah, since you can easily travel from Europe to China and back, no issues, no safety concerns, unfortunately, diseases will travel easier. A lot of people will be traveling. Which is just a, it's a fact of yeah. life. But that's it for the Pax Mongolica. Yeah, good job. So we're going to go into Denver's actual Chinatown, their hardships, contributions, and then a little bit of legislature, which is probably just going to piss you off. <laughs> no doubt. Remember earlier I told you that they said it was vice-ridden and that they were, you know, illicit sex and gambling and opium dens. Okay, well, the truth is... Because, you know, earlier, most married men left their children and wives in China. Yeah. There weren't really all that many females or women in Denver's Chinatown, and there were actually only approximately 10 prostitutes in Chinatown. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they were basically forced into prostitution because of economic (gasps) conditions um, and the lack of jobs that the Chinese community were allowed to have. But also, a lot of these Chinese immigrants had to pay back, you know, whoever, um... Helped them get here? So, they ended up having to work, you know, longer hours and more days, less time off, and for lower wages. Yeah. Because they have to survive, and they're trying to, you know, establish themselves so they can get their family over. But because Denver citizens made it so hard for them to get jobs and make money and establish themselves, there weren't really a lot of stable families yeah. or stable family life in Chinatown. And they had to turn to, quote, criminal activities, which, just as a quick disclaimer, sex work is real work if you are voluntarily doing it. Now, if you're sex trafficking forced into it, that's not real work. But just an average woman who decides to be a stripper, whatever, that's real work. Like, yeah. By 1880, only 29 women lived in Denver's Chinatown. Oh. And gambling was actually more of a small-stakes social event, despite all of the raids conducted on Chinese gambling halls. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Here's a good one. Denver had a total of 17 opium dens, 12 of which were in Chinatown. Citizens thought that the Chinese were, quote, opium fiends. However, the reality is that most of the Chinese opium smokers were non-addicted social smokers. Yeah, it's just like a thing in their culture. Mm-hmm. And then also, opium dens were so popular in Chinatown due to the large number of white patrons. Approximately hmm. 60% of opium users were white citizens. Hmm, would you, would you look at that? So there was no law against smoking opium until the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act of 1914. So initially, the Colorado government had tried to attract Chinese immigrants to the area because they uh, provided reliable and inexpensive workforce. <laughs> My God, I hate it. Fucking assholes. Fuck you. You pay people, okay? Have, yeah, a livable wage. Yeah. Just pay them a livable wage, I man. That. When people are like, oh, yeah, like, they'll definitely show up for work, but I don't have to pay them as much. No, you absolutely fucking should. Yeah. You're a monster if you don't. So the territory had actually suffered chronic labor shortages, with the exception of the gold rush, which was between 1858 and 1859. Yeah. And the Colorado government claimed that Chinese migrants would be guaranteed, quote, security in their persons and property, end quote. <laughs> Toys we did. Which didn't happen. In 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act was passed. Mm. It prohibited the entry of Chinese immigrants into the U.S. for 10 years and required Chinese traveling into and out of the United States to carry certificates stating whether they were laborers, scholars, diplomats, or merchants. Are we oh my gosh. Yeah. So this, as well as continued anti-Chinese sentiment, made interracial marriage nearly impossible which prevented the establishment of stable family lives and future generations yeah. of the Chinese community in Denver. So, like, we've just completely fucked them over. Yeah. They came over here to have better lives and escape a war, and we've just fucked them over. Made it ten times harder. Yeah, and uh, these men that left their wives and children in China, like, what the fuck are they supposed to do? Yeah. They can't see their kids anymore. What the hell? So, luckily... In 1943, the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed, but that was a total of 61 years that it was active. Oh, oh, shit, I did not realize it was that long. I have, I've heard of the Chinese Exclusion Act, but I did not know it was 61 years. Yeah. What it, year? 19 what? 1882 is when it was established, and 1943 is when it was repealed. Oh, my God. Yeah, a little slow on that one. America... And then in 1965, so almost, what, 22 years later, the Immigration and Nationality Act was passed, and it allowed for an influx of Chinese immigrants. So, like, 80 years. Yeah. Yeah, shit. So the jobs that they were allowed to have, um, the Chinese community... They were denied jobs that would be in direct competition with whites, but they were allowed jobs in the service industry. They're stealing our jobs, but wait, they're jobs that even you don't want to do. Like, fuck off. Yeah, they they allowed them to have jobs that whites yeah. didn't want to do. That's also something that just fucking pisses me off. Like, who the fuck are you people? Like, who gave you this sense yeah. of entitlement? How can you look at another human being and think this way? Yeah. So laundry services were the most common because it did not require a lot of capital, space, or equipment. And at the time, they were hand laundry services, so they really just needed, like, a scrub board, you know? Yeah. Uh, The Chinese held a monopoly on laundry services until the 19th century when steam laundries came about. I wonder who invented Mm -hmm. a steam laundry. Probably someone who was pissed off that somebody else was thriving. Well, I'm not sure if I would say thriving, but, you know, surviving. So then the Chinese moved on to restaurants servicing the general population. Eventually, some Chinese men had saved enough money to return to China and buy farmland or start other businesses. So they left China to escape a war, and then we pushed them back because yeah, dicks. Because they just thought they were going to have a better life, and then they didn't. But you know what? Good for them for leaving and having a better life, finally. Yeah. 
Don't fucking take it. Very resilient people. Absolutely. Okay, the anti-Chinese riot of 1880. So all of the anti-Chinese sentiment eventually led into Denver's anti-Chinese riot of 1880. So there was an argument between several whites and two Chinese men at a saloon over playing pool. And it got out into the streets. And afterwards, thousands, and I think it was about 3,000 white citizens marched into Denver's (gasps) Chinatown, destroying everything in their path and chanting statements such as, quote, stamp out the Yellow League. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Who are your parents? Like, we need to have a talk. Yeah, and I don't, mm, I just, there's nothing to even say there. There was actually one fatality. A 28-year-old Chinese man, a laundry worker named Luke Young, Mm L-O-O-K-Y-O-U-N-G. So a 1951 account in Forbes Park Hill's The Wildest of the West stated that Luke was, quote, lassoed (gasps) and dragged to his death and his body was strung up on a light post, end quote. This was incorrect. That was not true at all. Okay. That's not what happened. But this is what they're reporting. Was it worse? I mean, it's worse because, you know, people just decided to march into, over a fucking argument at a pool hall, decided to go beat somebody. Yeah, 3,000 people. That's the size of the town I grew up in. That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah, but that's also some dumb mentality. Like, somebody makes you mad or, like, offends you or something, or I don't even know what happened, but then you think that you have to get everybody that you know to go beat this person up like that's stupid yeah and not even affect just that person you affect that entire community and as far as i know this the fatality had no part in it as far as i know wow so the autopsy reported that he died from a quote compression of the brain caused by being beaten and kicked end quote oh my gosh why do we do this yeah why does any human do that? What is What has he done to you? Man, I'm really depressed, Kayla. This is a sad episode. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, it's it's important to talk about because yes. it's still happening today. It's very important. And I, and I never knew anything about this community. I haven't heard of this riot. So it's very important to talk about this. Yep. And, I mean, the fact that even if none of this happened, the fact that there was a Chinatown in Denver and now today it's not there... Because we've forced them out. That's that's not right. It's important. It's important to talk about. So after the riot, the Chinese community rebuilt, and by 1890, there were approximately 1,000 Chinese uh, residents in Denver's Chinatown. And this was in part, well, mostly due to the anti-Chinese sentiment that was all across Colorado. So it's not just Denver. Yeah. And honestly, it's not just Colorado either. We'll get into that. Nederland, Colorado, Chinese were expelled from caribou mines. In Gregory Gulch, the Chinese cues, which are their braids, uh-huh. which I'm going to see if I can put a picture on the Instagram, but the diagram that I want is somebody's that they've created, so I've emailed her to see if she'll allow me to put it on there. But basically, if you just search Chinese cues, you'll see, like, in the Qing, di- Qing Dynasty, I believe is how you say it, um, their hair was, like, shaved and then towards the back they had super super long hair that they braided oh okay i know what you're talking about yes so in gregory gulch the chinese cues were cut off and they were (gasps) run out of town which don't fucking touch somebody okay first of all yeah especially what's part of their heritage and their culture yeah but like that's that's super offensive like spitting and cutting someone's hair like that is extremely offensive because it's meant to be malicious like extremely malicious and offend literally everything at once. Mm-hmm. In Leadville, the Chinese were shut out completely. In Alpine, Aspen, Balfour, Blackhawk, Creed, Cripple Creek, Gothic, Oray, Rico, and Silverton, they all had other anti-Chinese mm-hmm. sentiment of their own. And all of that caused the Chinese to flee to Denver's Chinatown for support, safety, and work. So, in 1940, Denver's Chinatown was completely destroyed to make room for warehouses. No surprise. Mm -hmm. By then, there were very few residents, and their fates remain unknown to this day. Oh, my gosh. 
But warehouses, really. Hey, we need you to move your house because I gotta store some shit. No. I gotta build a car in here. But I mean, people do that all the time. Yeah. All the time. So in San Francisco around 1850, there were approximately 25,000 Chinese immigrants from Taishan, Zongshan, and Guangdong provinces. And they moved into the U.S. They took jobs in mines as farmhands in the garment industry and as laborers for the Central Pacific and the transcontinental railroads. Hmm. So these Chinese immigrants worked at these railroads and they were instrumental in building the transportation infrastructure that helped fuel westward expansion of the U.S. before, during, and after the Civil War, which was approximately 1861. So they helped revolutionize America, and then we just Hell yeah. took a shit on them. Yep. So let's just, you know, if we didn't have Chinese immigrants, where the fuck would we be? Yeah. Nowhere. Let's remember that. <laughs> okay, I'm done on my soapbox. For now. So in San Francisco, legislature was initially attempted to require special licenses for Chinese business workers. So they were trying to stop them from getting jobs and opening their own businesses. Yep. Yep. But luckily, this legislature was overturned due to it violating the Burlingame Seward Treaty of 1868. So this treaty expanded on the Treaty of Tianjin of 1858, and basically, it eased immigration restrictions and it limited American influence on mainland Chinese internal affairs. Which, why do we have any influence over there anyway? Yeah, but that treaty is very nice. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to move on to 1885, Rock Springs Massacre in Wyoming. Okay. We're only going to briefly touch on this, but it's just another example of why we fucking suck. Yeah. So, white miners were hoping to unionize, ooh, unionize and they went on strike. And then, because of this, Chinese miners were brought in to work the mines during the strike. And then, of course, the white miners turned their anger towards the Chinese. Oh, my. You should blame the company that you are working for that found you so easily replaceable. These guys are just trying to survive, okay? Like, they can't can't do anything else. They were given jobs, okay? And And they're going to take them, And I'm sure they were paid much less than the white miners. Absolutely. So, September 2nd, 1885, 150 white miners attacked Chinese miners. They killed 28, (gasps) they wounded 15, and they forced the others to flee. My gosh! Who the fuck are you people? How do you think that's okay? It's not okay. It's not okay at all. But that was Wyoming, and before this, you know, Wyoming was just kind of like this neutral state to me. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like this nice place, and the landscape was beautiful, and everybody was chill. But, like, after reading this, I'm just like, "Mm, Wyoming, no. Mm -mm -mm. No. Obviously, I don't know anything about Wyoming, guys. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. So, recent attacks in 2021. Uh, January 1st in San Francisco, a 28-year-old named Yahya Muslim Mm -hmm. attacked multiple Asian Americans. There was a 91-year-old Asian American man who was pushed down on the sidewalk in broad daylight (sighs) for no reason. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's fine. There are some others that I read, um, whether they weren't fine, they actually died. Yeah. From the attacks. And, I mean, you can just search it and see it. Like, Oh, yeah, very prevalent, especially today. Yep. And then also a 60-year-old Asian-American man was attacked in a similar fashion on the same day. And a 55-year-old Asian-American woman was attacked in a similar fashion. So this 28-year-old was charged with three counts of assault and elder abuse. What a fucking pussy to attack old people like yeah old people my guy yeah old people but it's a trend it's absolutely a trend not only is there asian american hate crimes they're also targeting the elders like yeah 
what the fuck? Of all, you know, it's horrible to target any group, but to target children and old people, the especially vulnerable is just, like, beyond comprehensible. Yeah, you have no backbone in the first place, but, like, just going after someone who obviously cannot defend themselves like that, like, I'm, it, it absolutely, it's just, it's one of those things where if I see anybody being absolutely rude or offensive or just mean and bullying an older person, it absolutely, it just, it actually breaks my heart. Yeah. 91 years old. Oh my God. Wait, and he was just, wait, he was on the sidewalk. Why did, why would you push him down? Uh, if I had seen it, like. Yeah, I would have maced that guy. Yeah. So that was uh, one of the attacks, which was January 1st of this year. So mm-hmm. day one. Yeah. February 16th in Los Angeles, California, a 27-year-old Air Force vet was in Koreatown when he was harassed by two men who swung at him, causing him to fall. So, you know, here's a younger guy being attacked. An American hero. Yep. Don't we love our veterans? Koreatown. Maybe you want some damn food. Yeah. Or he's just chilling. So they also called him, quote, China virus, end oh. quote, and stated, quote, all fucking Asians gotta die, end quote. No. They absolutely do not. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the fact that you said that makes me want to just sew your lips together. Yeah. It just shows how uneducated they are. Yeah. Like... And they're not empathetic in the slightest. China virus? What the fuck? That's... Yeah. Throwing insults, but, like, let's just throw the dumbest ones possible. Yeah, and this guy is, like... He's an American citizen if he's serving in the military. Because uh, yeah. don't you have to be naturalized to serve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was actually born and raised in L.A. Yeah, exactly. This dude isn't even from China. He's from America. So he actually had a black eye and an injured nose. His friend, who he was supposed to be meeting, actually broke up the fight and scared the guys off. But he was telling um, in the article, he said that he would most likely be in the hospital, either in a coma or probably dead, if his friend hadn't saved them. What fucking pigs. Yep. So there's that one. Really makes you fucking love humanity. Your blood just boils. Yeah. So March 14th in Midland, Texas, three Asian American family members were stabbed, including <gasps> a two-year-old and a six-year-old. Who? Oh my god! Who stabs fucking children? Who's okay? For, who stabs anybody? Yeah, yeah. Let's just start there. But especially children. A two-year-old and a six-year-old, like they're babies. Yeah, those are babies, and you fucking stab them because you're a dumbass and. I'm just gonna say it you were probably incited by the president that you so loved at the time like come on like it, it gets worse it's a quote the suspect stabbed the family because he thought they were chinese and infecting people with coronavirus end quote that's not how that works that's not how that works at all why we've just thrown fucking science out the window and just common sense, which common sense has been gone for a long time, but... Yeah. It's... How do you come about... Do you just, like, have, like, a weird twisted dream and wake up and go, yeah, that's fucking reality? Like, how does this come about? How do you do that? The person is mentally unstable, and I hope that they receive help. Yeah. But public service announcement, that's not how that works. Exactly. Anyway, this lady is a badass. I want to shake her hand. She's a badass. March 19th in San Francisco, 75-year-old Asian-American woman was waiting for a crosswalk light to turn green when 39-year-old Stephen Jenkins punched her in the face. (gasps) Oh my god! This woman then picked up a wooden plank and smashed it into his face. You fucking go! Causing him to go to the hospital. I don't normally incite violence, but man, you fuck him up. Hell yeah. I mean, unprovo- she's waiting for a crosswalk. Leave her alone. She's old, too. Yeah, she's 75 years old. Leave her alone. But the fact that it was just so... It's not 
funny. But when you read it and you go, oh, <laughs> she just picked up a plank and just got him right back. Like, she that said, go is, fuck yourself. That's awesome. She quoted that um, to the media or the police or something. She was like, this bum hit me. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's not funny. It is not funny. The situation is not funny, but she's awesome. This bum hit me. I'd use some different words for sure if I was her, but But I mean, respect. I just told you, she got unprovoked. She got punched in the face and it was unprovoked. Well, she was minding her own business. And then when the cops and the media come, she's just like, yeah, that bum hit me. Look at her. I think I think I know the lady you're talking about. Does she have shorter hair? She does. Yeah, I, I know the story. So it was actually Stephen Jenkins's second unprovoked assault on an Asian American that day. That day? Yeah. Just like the first guy I told you about, he attacked three in one day. Fucking lunatics, man. Did you lose your mind? Yeah. So he was charged with two counts of assault and elder abuse. Because the other person that he attacked was also an elder. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel the rage in that. There's just elders, man. Elders and children. You're a fucking dirtbag. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know who's vulnerable, and you're targeting that subset. You know exactly what you're doing. Yep. So the last part that we're going to talk about is a joint... Who China finding? That's a report on SARS CoV 2. Uh huh. It's about the origins and the initial cases. And I have it linked and I have it, you know, separated out so it's really easy to find. It's going to be the last link. It's a 120 page document, I believe. And if you guys are into science and data and charts and they go so far into it, read it, please. Read it. I'm just going to summarize some of the stuff in the summary in the background just so that we know that that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this joint task force basically was com- ugh, comprised of 17 Chinese experts and 17 international experts, the WHO, the Global Outbreak Alert and Response Network, and the World Organization for Animal Health. So that's who led this. Mm -hmm. Also, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations participated as an observer. So for anyone who likes to go, oh, well, yeah, it's a Chinese report, so the Chinese are going to say whatever they want. No, that's not how this works. Amen, girl. Okay. So it was a 28-day study. It was conducted between January 14th, 2021, and February 10th, 2021. So they wanted to try to get information to see how the virus came about and, like, where it came about. So, a basic summary. They found that in the third week of 2020, deaths were most likely from infections that had occurred around the first week of 2020. Okay. 174 COVID-19 cases were reported by China to the NNDRS, which is the National Notifiable Disease Reporting System, with onset symptoms of COVID-19 in December of 2019. So China reported in December of 2019 174 uh, onset symptoms of COVID-19 to this reporting system. Okay. So that's important because, and I don't know if you've heard it, but I've personally heard some people sure think that the virus got spread as fast as it did because China didn't report it when they were supposed to. Yep. You're wrong. They did. Yes. I've heard that sentiment. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just me. So they reported it in December of 2019. So there is a slight possible indication that the origin may not be from Huanan Market, the market where all of this is thought to be. Yeah, that like open air market. Yeah. So there is a slight possible indication that it may not have originated there, but they cannot confirm this because some cases, you know, they can't confirm whether it was COVID or if it was pneumonia or if it was something else. 
show that they just can't be sure. So the Molecular Epidemiology and Bioinformatics Working Group examined animal DNA and found that coronaviruses most highly related to SARS-CoV-2 are found in bats and pangolins. Mm-hmm. Which, a pangolin, if nobody knows, it looks like a scaly anteater. It's a cute one. It is cute. It's adorable. Its scientific name is Philodota. And the Philodota species are actually found in Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, just so we know where they come from. Yeah, and doesn't um, China have a very big black market for the pangolins? Yeah, their scales are used, their blood is used, and yeah. the meat is used. So, And it's not just China, though. There's a couple of other, yeah. like, I want to say Middle Eastern places that actually do the same thing. So it's like... Yes, China does source out pangolins, but they also send them to other places because of, you know, the demand for them. Yeah, there's a very large black market for it, For it, I should have said. Um, the viruses are not sufficiently similar to conclude that these mammals are a reservoir of the virus that causes COVID-19. So... The viruses that they see in this animal DNA of bats and pangolins are the most closely related, but they cannot 100% confirm that, you know, these mammals just, like, hold it. Yeah. And, you know. Spread it. Exactly. So the actual outbreak start is estimated between mid-November and early December of 2019, and they just went back through the you know, a bunch of cases around that time and all the way back to September and October that had similar symptoms and they tried to rule out COVID or rule it in. Yeah. So best guess, mid-November, well, it's not really a guess. It's fucking science. Yeah, what they could pinpoint. Yep. So they also stated that there may be missed cases earlier than that in other countries. However, the quality of studies on this is very limited. Yeah. They can't be sure, but there is a low possibility that there are other cases of COVID-19 in other countries, which, you know, could indicate it was brought into China, and then that's where it exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, in Huanan Market, there were 923 environmental samples taken, and out of those, 73 came back positive for traces of SARS-CoV-2. Only 73? Wow. Mm-hmm. You know how often this sentiment gets spread. Yeah, we think that, you know, this market, you know, was, like, the point where most people got infected, but, like, 923 samples, and out of those, only 73, like, that's quite low, actually. That's some pretty low numbers, yeah. Yeah, and it was on, like, the surfaces of the market. So here's the other thing. Initially, the cold uh, chain storage, so like the cold foods, they weren't tested. Because I think in the beginning, we didn't think that it could, you know, survive there. Yeah, we thought a lot of wrong things before. Yeah. So the cold chain storage was not tested. However, SARS-CoV-2 has been found to persist in frozen foods. Do not freak out, guys. Don't freak out. It's like... It's like for markets and, you know, restaurants and stuff and, like, the way that they ship the cold storage, this is basically what they're talking about. Yeah, and it survives on boxes. It could be just on the box in the freezer. So there are four scenarios of virus introduction that they came up with. And then they also did a bunch of tests and studies to see how likely to unlikely these four scenarios would be for the introduction of the virus. So here they are. Number one, direct zoonotic transmission to humans or spillover is what they call it. So came from animals. Yeah. They found this to be a possible to likely scenario. The second scenario is an introduction through an intermediate host following spillover. So an animal transfers it to, you know, something or human, and then that's where it, you know, does whatever the hell it does and then mutates, right? Uh-huh. Um, this was found to be a likely to very likely scenario, but the, quote, possible intermediate host remains elusive, end quote, because like they said before, they cannot confirm the bats or pangolins, but 
from all of this research, it could be where it came from. Likely. Number three, an introduction through cold chain food, which was found to be a possible scenario. And then number four, introduction through a lab accident was found to be an extremely unlikely scenario. Thank you for saying it. Please read this document. And if you don't want to read the whole thing, that's fine. I get it. It's a lot of pages of scientific research. But the summary is very easy to read and the background is extremely easy to read. So please go look at that. It is linked. It is on the WHO's website. And there are also other documents that they have completed, but this is the China portion of it, which was relevant to my case of Stop Asian Hate. Yeah, and I I think it's very important to, po- to point out, too, that, okay, yes, China probably is working with chemical and biological weapons. America is, too. Right. Russia is, too. All developed countries are working with this. And even if this was an outbreak that came, which I do not believe it was, but even if it was an outbreak that spilled over from a lab, the people that you're targeting were not the people who instrumented the development of this disease. They're not the people who said, spill it. They're not the people who said, let's target these people. Like The people that you're hurting are just normal, innocent people. Just the same thing with our government. I do not agree with all of our government sentiments, but you, you should not target me specifically because of my government's beliefs or their actions yes it's just it's just bullshit and the fact that there is fear hanging over certain ethnic groups heads because of stuff like this like just put yourself in their shoes if our government did something that you don't agree with and it pissed off russia and russia decided they wanted to you know beat us down and you know try to quote stamp us out yeah. Like, you're talking about other people, like, you would be terrified. Think about your kids. Think about your family, your sisters, your brothers. And it's not your fucking fault. Yes. This is what we're doing to other people. Think about that three-year-old neighbor down the road. She has nothing to do with it. Yep. But we're targeting these people. Think about her getting stabbed just because she's white. Yeah. That's scary. You should be more upset at... The Chinese, if this was created in a lab, which I, again, do not believe it was. Extremely unlikely scenario. You should be upset at the Chinese government, not Chinese citizens. But also keep in mind, they're a communist country. So even if the Chinese government does something, the citizens have nothing to do with it. They don't have control over it. So think about that. We have to think about how other countries are actually run. Not everyone is run like yeah. the United States, where you guys can have a say in whatever you want, and we can have a say in whatever we want. We can do this podcast and talk about all kinds of shit, right? Other people don't get that. They cannot. Yes. So, we need to be more tolerant. Amen, girl. This is not just an Asian thing. It's not... It, it happens yeah. for everyone, really. So, take away... Be a good human. Don't be an asshole. Exactly. Well, that is the end of my Stop Asian Hate podcast. That was really good. That was really informative. Thank you. Thank you. I tried. So hopefully if anybody has anything to add or anything that you didn't like, maybe like I didn't pronounce something right or I got something wrong, please absolutely let us know because we have our email which is perfect dismay podcast at gmail.com we have a, a twitter at pdmk podcast we have instagram which is at perfect perfect dismay podcast and of course on anchor you can send me a voice message so yeah just let us know yeah direct it at caleb <laughs> don't be mean <laughs> just like if you have anything that's informative please absolutely let me know because I did a lot of research for this one, and I tried to be as thorough as possible. Yeah, and I'm sure that we could even do a follow-up episode if we get more input. This is a topic that has been ongoing for, clearly, generations and likely will be ongoing because we're fucking assholes, and we would love to follow this up again. 
But I do, I do want to give a small like preview of my podcast episode. So I will be doing Marsha P. Johnson, and she has a very amazing quote that I think applies to this topic. And it says, quote, How many years has it taken people to realize that we are all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race? End quote. That's a good quote. Girl, girl, we still trying to realize that shit. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, it makes you just want to cry. For my podcast topic, we've made donations in support of my topic, and we've also made donations in support of Kayla's topic. So, Kayla, where are you donating to? I am going to donate to Stop AAPI Hate. Mm -hmm. If you go to donate.givedirect.org, actually, I'll link it for you guys because there's some more mumbo jumbo at the end. Um, I will link it for you guys. You can donate as much as you want, um, and it is to make a difference for this very real issue that we still have today. So, your support of Stop AAPI Hate enables them to track and respond to the surge in racism and xenophobia, which we need to reduce and remove. Yep. So, you can make an online donation. Um, I will also try to post it in Instagram so that you can click on that if you would like. But please, if you have the means, please just donate. Yes. Just your overall support is absolutely welcome because we need more people to be on the same page about just stop the hate. Good topic, Kayla. I think this was much needed and very informative. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. But thank you so very much for joining us each week on our podcast. Thank you to new listeners. Thank you to continued listeners. We absolutely love that people are listening to this podcast. And if you want other topics, please just message us. Yeah. We would be happy to look into those for you. Yeah. We love you all, and we hope to see you next Friday. Goodbye. Bye.